All right, we're back. We're going to give uh, give another go of this podcasting thing. And uh, I guess the name after episode one, when we talked with new Lobo coach Paul Weir, uh, we came up with was Talking Grammar. Um, so we will be talking grammar. And I will try not to be the only guy talking this time. Um, our guest for episode two, uh, two UNM Lobo basketball staffers that also happen to know a little bit something about the rivalry um, with New Mexico State. And we'll get into a little bit of that, but mostly what their roles are with uh, Lobo basketball this coming season. We got Brandon Mason, assistant coach and former Aggie basketball player. I, <laughs> I emphasize that because as some people who might be listening know, um, I too was an Aggie. And not only was I an Aggie, I was one that was there at the same time as Brandon Mason as he uh, ruled the school down in Las Cruces. <laughs> and uh, we'll try and keep all the uh, stories about those college days PG. <laughs> and we're also joined by a uh, new, the most recent addition to the Lobo basketball staff, former Lobo player, David Coyote, who is director of player development. You're gonna have to tell me what that is. Let's start, let's start right off the bat. What the heck is player development director uh, gonna do for <laughs> Lobo basketball? Yeah, like I said, uh, you know, it, it's still a little early in uh, you know, uh, the process of finding out my role and my fit in the program. You know, uh, my, my initial experience is I'm gonna do whatever is needed to help build this program into a championship club, uh, whether that's assisting videographer, whether that's assisting uh, you know, practice planning uh, or assisting in general day-to-day -day operations, uh, you know, that's what I'm going to do. Um, like I said, I'm here to kind of just use my experiences, use what I've gone through here in this organization and this, this, this program and my experiences overseas to, you know, help these players win championships and help this uh, help these kids get to where they want to get. And while the title director of player development isn't unique to college basketball, a lot of other programs had it. In fact, Brandon, you had that same title. Did, did you have that title at New Mexico State or at UNLV, or no, was it a similar title? it was something similar. At New Mexico State, I was a special assistant to the head coach. Okay. And then at uh, UNLV, I was director of player personnel. Okay, so, so I, I think maybe for the people that aren't quite familiar with how this all works out, Three assistant coaches are allowed to do all the on-court, um, and stop me at any point if any of this no, is wrong, right. all the on-court development um, during full practice and stuff like that. But that doesn't mean that these other positions also don't have some of the development, obviously in the title, some of the development um, responsibilities. Either one of you, and Brandon, I guess since you've kind of gone through this, um, why don't you kind of explain to some people listening what exactly is the difference the main difference between what he's allowed to do um, in mm -hmm. this new role and what you as an assistant coach in your first assistant D1 assistant coaching job like what what are the main differences what you're allowed to do on the court with the players the main difference is uh, is pretty much being on the court and being able to do like live drills and different things like that and his role I mean you know like watching film with the guys and just um, having a personal relationship and being able to relate to the guys it doesn't it's not a better person than, than Dave, who's played professional ball, who's been a Lobo and understands it and gets it. And the guys will listen to him. He has presence. You know, I mean, he, if he told me to do something, I might do no. <laughs> but, I mean, it's just at the level that he's played at. You know, um, first division, uh, Italy is a, is a big-time league for, for any professional. And I'm pretty sure these guys look up to that and, you know, um, and will be looking forward to having his input throughout the year. Is that, um, I guess, basically sort of the, in general, I know this is sort of a, you know, develop as you go kind of position. I mean, you guys will see what, what works out best, but is that sort of what you have in mind is, is some, some connections with some of these players about using your experiences and combining with what they're going through? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think, uh, like I said, building those relationships, building that trust. 
uh, you know, being on a little different level than, you know, their head coach or assistant coach to where, you know, they come to me and I can help get them through tough times. I can help them get refocused. I can give them some words of advice. You know, just anything I can do to, you know, have them buy in to what we're trying to do. You know, and I don't want to say I'm the intermediate, you know, mediator in between the coaches and the players. But, you but know, there's a level. There. There's a level there where I, I feel I could be really effective in that, you know, to where, you know, I've been there. I've been I played for many different coaches, many different styles. And I've seen, you know, buying in and committing and, and what that can do for the success. And, you know, I just got to help them stay focused, help you know, tell them my stories of what I've gone through, you know, get them to, to buy into what we're trying to do and, you know, help build a championship program here. All right. One more question before I go into what you were just saying, some of the stories you've been through. I want to talk about some of the stories you guys have both been through <laughs> internationally um, and also in the rivalry and stuff like that. But first things first, how did you get this job? Paul just kind of, we had a press conference earlier this afternoon and he kind of mentioned um, that his first day here, there was a guy, you, you and Paul didn't know each other when mm. you first met, uh, no. well, obviously when you first met him. Um, but the, the day he got the job, he's meeting people in his office. He tells the story that, you know, he's talking to players, assistant coaches, boosters, administrators from around campus. And, and there was a guy sitting in the lobby. He didn't have an appointment, but there was a guy in the lobby that, that um, had a suit. And he didn't, he didn't know for sure who, who you were. Um, and then you came in and, you know, this guy that had been sitting out front with his suit said, look, coach, I, I don't have an appointment. But you know, you introduce yourself. I wanna, I wanna talk about maybe getting my foot in the door, with, or what can I do, kind of to get into college coach and stuff like that. He said he was impressed from the start with that. Do you remember that day? And and you, you at some point that day woke up and said, I'm putting on a suit to go meet the la the, the new basketball coach. I guess exactly. I, I you know, uh, I talked to Brandon Mason when coach got the job because I knew uh, Brandon was with him uh, down at New Mexico State. Uh, you know, I I've always had a passion for basketball. I love basketball. I love multiple aspects about it, the camaraderie, the development, the work ethic, all the things that you get from this, this team building experience. And, uh, you know, now that I'm retired from playing the game, you know, I felt my next path, my next step is to, to, is to coach. And, you know, I feel the level that I'm meant for, the level that I want to be at is college basketball. Uh, you know, so my initial goal is, you know, what, what, what's the next step? What can I do? You know, my, my university is, is, did so much for me. You know, the University of New Mexico did so much to me in my life, in my career. And, you know, I wanted to be a part of that. And uh, so when, I, you know, when, there is, when there was the change with Coach, I said, you know, this is my opportunity, a fresh new start. Uh, you know, he's probably looking for young, or not young, but motivated people that want to, you know, put in the work to make this program great. Uh, you know, Brandon Mason's like, you gotta just, you gotta go down there. You gotta make yourself known. And like I said, I'm gonna put on my suit. I'm gonna go down there. I'm gonna have to find a way to get in all these locked doors. <laughs> and uh, you know, I got in here, and uh, you know, I asked him just for a moment of his time, and just you know, told him I'm, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. If it's laundry, if it's fetch coffee, if it's you were ready wipe to the floors, I, I'm ready to do whatever I can. Foot in the doors, what you were just yeah. Looking for. I'm, I'm looking for an opportunity to help this program, whatever role, whatever opportunity you can give me. And you know he, he liked I, he liked what I was saying. He liked you know where I've been and what I've done. And uh, like I said, it didn't happen right away. We kept talking throughout the summer about you know what what would be the best opportunities for me, what would be the best opportunities for my growth. And uh, you know it led to this opportunity to where we're at today. You worked camps, stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, you did everything. Um, why? Why were you? Uh, what made you kind of push him a little bit to you know help him out to to go meet Paul? 
to, to do all that. This, back in April, was long before you knew you were coming back. Um, right. So, well, yeah, I mean, and let's actually take a step back from that, too. How did you guys get to know each other? You guys did overlap once, or yeah, one year, right? In right, we did. Okay. But I've been knowing uh, Coyote for years. Um, just, you know, my time being here in, in New Mexico, in Albuquerque, yeah. um, getting to build relationships with all the former players, not just Dave, but um, we've always stayed in touch you know, throughout the, even the summers when he would come back from overseas and just different things like that. And then of course the, the alumni game, you know, having him a part of it, but he was injured, but he still, you know, I around. thank him for being here, right. Cause he didn't have to be here. And he, you know, he still was a part of it and everything like that. Um, but he just sent me a text message. It was just, it was just a text. You know, I, I was at UNLV, he texted me and was just like, Hey, can you give me some advice on what should I do? I want to you know, get into back into to my team, my school, Lobo yeah. basketball. How should I go about it? And I was just like, you know, he was like, should I email him? Should I call? I was like, man, I just you should just go, just face go face to face, face to face, because you can't put it, uh, you can't look at him through an email and tell <laughs> that he's like this six eight six ten beast walking in. Like it's it's a lot harder to say <laughs> no to somebody like that. But how, how tall are you? Six foot nine. Six foot nine. All right. See, I hit it right. So Brandon Mason's catching me in the in the LBs column though now. Look at he's that. a new post player now, man. Who's, who wins right now? You guys go out on the court right now. Who's it's not win? even close. He beats me 11-0. 11-0? <laughs> like, For sure. I, he doesn't know how bad my knees are, so we'll, we'll see. So you guys haven't done it yet? No, no. we're not. Um, we're 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 gonna we're gonna work out with the managers for a little bit before before we have that one on one classic rival. How old are you guys? Uh, thirty six, and I'm almost thirty three. All right, so you guys you guys are hitting in the basketball years. Uh, that, that's that's the upper uh, upper tier of maybe your prime. I think you guys both passed your prime, maybe. I definitely did. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like I said, my, the way I played destroyed my body at a younger age than yeah. Do you regret what other it? people. No, I don't regret it at all. Like I said, is you know, the way I played, the passion I played with, like, I, you know, I knew I wasn't the type of game that can play until you're 40, you know. Yeah. And that my, the way I played, I knew it was going to be a shorter professional career. So, like I said, I gave it my all until, until it gave out on me. What about you? You have a bad back now? Yeah, I got Is that it. basketball? 100% it was basketball. But, <laughs> like, I feel like, like Dave's, like, you know, like, I played. I wore my heart on my sleeve. I dove after the ball. I guarded the best player. Like, I knew it was going to come to an end early. Yeah. Mine just – I missed my prime. I don't even think I reached it. Like, <laughs> I went straight from one injury overseas and was like, you know what, let me start some video at UNM. So. <laughs> All right, what's the – for both of you, so some of the overseas stops you guys had, some of the stuff you did, the craziest kind of place you were overseas where it was so far removed from what 15,000 in the pit is like um, – you were mentioning Patty on the Hardwood, right? In Rush Bradford? Yeah, in Ireland. In Ireland. I yeah. mean, some of those venues were just a couple hundred people maybe. Yeah, it was It was definitely different, but it was a great experience. I wouldn't even call that uh, like a – Yeah, and not, I, not necessarily the, a bad experience, but yeah, so far removed so from far what, what one, they're going to get here. Yeah, it was. I mean, we probably had less than three, 400 people at the games, um, especially my first game because we had the lowest budget. We yeah. had the worst gym. What was the name of your team? Uh, Tralee Tigers. We're, Tralee we're Tigers. Uh, like the Frosted Flakes Tigers or something <laughs> like that. And like I made the least amount of money in the entire country. So I had to coach the college basketball team as well. Is that when you first started coaching? That's when I first started coaching. In and Ireland. we lost every game. In Ireland. <laughs> yes. Uh -huh. and, and yet you're, here you are. Yes, so exactly. you went from not winning any games in Ireland to now you're in Lobo. But we did, exactly. But my worst, my, my, the biggest change was playing basketball in Kuwait. Kuwait? 
Yeah. Just, what, about, what about you? I mean, well, yeah, tell me about Kuwait. What, I mean, what's why was that so different? Um, I mean, just you know, seeing, just, just being exposed to just like different like culture and just okay. the the praying over the loudspeaker and it, like a lot of people being covered up and I was just wasn't used to that yeah. you know and then being able to you know learn a little bit of Arabic and it was from what I expected and I don't want to say like you know I expected a certain thing like sure I think it's safe to say I mean I I, I don't think we're we're saying anything wrong here with that. I think a lot of people have probably some misconceptions, and yeah, it's it's the unknown. So I mean, you're going into the unknown. You didn't know what to expect. Right. I mean, I got off the plane and walked straight out, and it was nothing short of Range Rovers, Lamborghinis, <laughs> Ferraris, and I'm like, where am <laughs> I what again? Not at all. And I mean, they gave me a car, and I went to the gas station. It cost me like four bucks to fill up my car. Like it was the most incredible thing That's that I've seen. Here. Exactly. So. Um, it was a different experience. What about you? Any any place overseas that kind of really stands out for its uniqueness? Uh, yeah, my first my first couple years in Austria and Holland, I would say, was the biggest shock to me because, like I said, we were playing in these small gyms that I would compare to like high school style gyms, and I just remember I'm the type of guy that likes to stay in the gym, get extra work, and come in early. And I just remember we had our two hour practice window, you know, let's say three to five or something like that. And at five o'clock, we were getting kicked off the court for like some, you know, some guys on the street that, you know, re like reserved uh, gym time to play indoor soccer or to play it's handball <laughs> or something. And it's like, I, we don't care if you're the professional team or this or that, get off the court. Like, you know, you so it was just like, Lobo? yeah, exactly. So <laughs> like, that's what I see was the biggest shock is like, these guys have this practice facility. They have the, you know, they have the shooting machine. They got managers, coaches, all these people wanting to get them the better. And overseas, it was you and this high school gym and that, that two hours you had in the morning to really try to get better. And appreciating all this is something I know you did when you were here, but I imagine there's a, an element of appreciating it a little more when you went through stuff like that. For sure. Um, let's take a step back from the pros then to the Aggie and Lobo days. Um, Brandon, I think I know your memory of your last Lobo game and the final minutes of it, because I think you've told me five, six hundred times. Um, <laughs> why don't you tell, remind people your last Lobo game, or maybe maybe it wasn't the last one, but I think it was your senior year. Um, there was something with Reuben Douglas, I believe. Oh, wow. Yeah. Is that, was that senior year? I tried year? to act like I forgot. Yeah. No, I think that might have been, it was either junior or senior year. Okay, well, anyway, that, we, that was the memory I've heard you, we the story you've told. That. So let, let's, uh, while I know you're a Lobo now, we're not trying to of you know, divide the family right now, but I do want to hear you tell to the listeners uh, that story. I, first, I would like to say that Reuben Douglas was one of the toughest covers like of my career. But um, I remember after the game, first of all, Lou Henson coming up to me and said, Brandon, you did a heck of a job. You shut Reuben Douglas down. And I remember I had the score sheet in my hand, and he had like 26 or something. <laughs> Good job shutting him right. down. Right. He was there. like, man, you shut him down, Mace. I was like, OK. <laughs> um, but, but anyway, um, we, were, we were in a timeout. It was probably less, less than 30 seconds left. And Lou Henson's like, hey, guys, man. Like, he pulls me aside. He's like, B, we need a steal. Like, try to go for the steal first. If not, then foul. In Cruces? It was in Cruces. Okay. In Cruces. And we were, down, uh, we were down one point with probably under 30 seconds. And so we knew Ruben Douglas was going to get it, and he was going to ISO me and just dribble up top and try to, you know, hold for the last or whatever. So um, he has me ISOed on the wing. And sure enough, he's, he's turned his back to me the entire game and just used his body and shot over me. So I knew he was going to do it again. Yep. So as soon as he turned, I reached around and picked him clean. Dribbled down the length of the court, hit Jason, find that for the layup. They inbounded, and uh, 
turned it over, we won the game. And I mean, the place erupts. It was, it was one of the, it was a, a big time memory for myself and for you know for the for the Aggies, of course. What's your memory? What's your I favorite remember, memory? I remember that clearly because that was my freshman year, and All I right. remember watching film on that. And then so you did. I, he's not a graduate. <laughs> no, that was my freshman year and Ruben's senior year, and th- I remember that that last play. We're down one, and we felt you know we had that chance. To come back, especially, you know, because like I said, Ruben was playing pretty well. And, you know, we thought we were going to get a definitely a good look and have a chance to win the game. And then, like, to lose that way was hard. But I think that was the first first game of the, our two-part series. And then they had to come to the pit. So yeah. we kind of had some revenge in our mind. Like, okay, That's we're, we're going to get about it. this rivalry yeah. is, is, is whoever wins that first one, you're, you don't have to wait till next year. Yeah, right. exactly. And so, you know, we, we were excited to get them in our house get even, uh, you know, get a little payback. And I remember, yeah, I told the story the other day, uh, we ended up losing by 10, but we gave up like 104 points. I think it was closer <laughs> than that, but like we, you know, we started to foul down the stretch. And it ended up being, you know, like we gave up 104 points. And like I said, the next day was one of the, the, the hardest days of my life. I remember we had a game, I think the game was Saturday, and we woke up Sunday morning at 5 a.m. and ran 104 sprints on the pit floor. And like I said, coaches had tape on the floor, 104. Everywhere was 104, taped everywhere we walked. Like the whole we, season probably. Was, was 104. Like, and like I said, we ran 104 sprints, and I think we had a game on Monday because I think that's when we were on that Saturday-Monday schedule. And we for sure won Monday because we weren't losing, <laughs> losing again, and I don't think we ever gave up. 100 points that year or ever again in my career here at UNM. So that, that's my UNM-Aggie kind of rivalry with Mason kind of story. All right, so you guys, um, your first day after, I guess, officially being announced, you guys walking down the halls or something, that uh, a little bump or something? Man, he bumped me the first day. <laughs> first day in the hall, In huh? front of the whole staff. And I mean, it was, it was kind of funny. I don't even know if he knew he did it. Guaranteed he did. You knew you did. I, I knew. I told you. He, he's, he's getting up there. He's getting a little bigger. I got to sh- still make sure he knows I'm the big man. Over here, man. <laughs> Very That's cool. Hey, all right, guys. I'm, what we're going to do this season, we're going to try and do a whole bunch of these. Hopefully, I catch up with you guys again, try and get some players to people around the program. But, but I really appreciate this. What I want to do, one, one last thing before we sign off, is, is both of you guys. You guys, there's a new coach in town that people are really excited about. Hasn't lost a game yet. He's in the honeymoon phase. Everyone seems to love everything that Paul's doing right now. Um, tell me something about working with Paul. You've done it before. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just starting to do it. Something that maybe hasn't been told yet or something that stood out to you, and we'll start with you, um, David, about what stands out about Paul and what makes that unique working with Paul Weir and what, why he might have a chance to, to do something good here? Um, you know, I think the, the, the biggest thing that I've noticed is um, in our first meeting when we met back with all the players to start this, you know, the initial first part of this year, uh, you know, his expectations and his toughness is – and his, his, the way he words it to get people bought in and motivated, I think, is, you know, I don't want to say surprise me because, I, you know, I think I knew he, he was young, motivated, and, and very intelligent uh, coach. Um, but like I said, his words that came out of his mouth really hit home with me. And, you know, I, I, it got me excited. It got me wanting to put back on the jersey and get out there and work hard. So, like I said, I, you know, I, 
everyone loves him, loves what's coming out of his mouth, but I, like I said, I, he's going to do what it takes to build this program and make it successful, and I'm real excited, excited to be a part of it. But you, well, um, it's definitely not a honeymoon time for him. <laughs> not for, for you him. guys, for no, him. No, not at all. You and guys I mean, aren't. It, we're in full swing. I mean, and one thing I try to take pride in is, is beating the boss to work. And I feel like that's, that's, that's just my motto. And I, I haven't been able to beat him to work, like, really uh, until this week. So I started waking up at 530 because it's impossible to beat him because he it's works August. hard. Come on, guys, it's August. No, this was in this, this was two July. weeks. Yeah, right, this July. was before August. Like, his work ethic is, is at an all-time high. And I've had multiple head coaches in the last six years. And, I mean, his drive and determination and his will of per perfection – and he's gonna. I'm glad he just walked in. Too, because, <laughs> like, he's singing your praises. But we're doing episode two here. He's singing your praises. I mean, no. <laughs> see, there. That's exactly what vacation I mean. Time in Lobo Land. There, no such thing. So as people that obviously time. can't see this right now, we are in like the farthest corner right now <laughs> of the Davalo Center from the uh, Lobo basketball offices, and uh, and Paul Weir just walked in and and found. His uh, his assistant coach is uh, talking to talking to me. So I probably um, should get back to work sometime <laughs> soon because yeah, this, this is business. <laughs> but but you've worked with Paul before. Um, mm -hmm. I do want to ask this since you did work with him before. How has he grown from just a couple years ago? I know it wasn't that long ago, and right, I know you've known course. him. But um, how has he grown from that to, to right now? Now he is he does have one year of head coaching experience under right. his belt. Now he's starting a second program already. He's only thirty eight years old, and he's already on to, to head coaching job number two and a bigger program now. So what's What's different from just two years ago, Paul Weir, to today? Well, one thing is I think he knows what he wants, and he knows how to go about doing it. Um, he's probably been mapping this out for the last decade, and we just don't know. Yeah. Um, one thing he, I've always noticed is he saves everything, and everything he does is calculated. Every next move is already thought of. He'll ask you a question, but he already knows the answer that he wants. Trust me. Okay, so like, he's one of the most brilliant basketball minds there is. And I mean, his education background, you know, says a lot yeah. as well. So it makes us Aggies feel a little intimidated sometimes being around the guy that smart. No comment. <laughs> all right, guys. Hey, I, I appreciate it. You guys, obviously, there's a good vibe around here. We know all that. Um, you guys know that it is business, though. And once the season starts, there's there's going to be some pressure. I think some people are probably aren't expecting much, which takes some pressure off. But when it's Lobo basketball, you guys know there's always pressure. I don't believe that. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, that, here, here there's, there's, there's expectations and there's pressure. Yeah. Whenever you you step on the court for Lobo basketball or you're on the sideline and you're coaching, you put that suit and tie on, there's expectations. So, I mean, we know that. These guys Trust okay, me. though? I mean, you guys have seen them play. Oh, yeah. Like you know, I said, like I said, like I said, I'm new to being down here for, for this time being, but in my short time here, these guys are putting in the work, and, and they want it. So, you know, we're going to be there to push them and, and help them get there. Very cool. Guys, I appreciate it. Um, we're going to, like I said, we're going to do this all season. Um, I don't know what next episode will be. Once the season starts, it'll probably be once a week. But I uh, appreciate you guys for listening to Talking Grammar, uh, the, pod, like the second episode of this podcast. And if, uh, if the name sticks, it'll stay as Talking Grammar for now. But any suggestions, let me know. Guys, I appreciate it, and I look forward to this season. Appreciate you, man.